Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Bad Boys Club. I'm Steven Vanderhoek. And I'm Phil Shemanoff. Where each episode we discuss a book. And whatever tangents come our way. In order to discover the key ideas of each book. And arrive at higher ways of thinking. All right. Welcome to episode number two. Of the Bad Boys Club featuring <laughs> Phil Lechevinon and Steve Vanderhoek. I'd say uh, episode 1B. <laughs> yes. <laughs> episode 1A was first demo recordings. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about the big news. We have, we have a, a new addition to the Bad Boys Club. That's right. We got a blue ice microphone. Blue Ice Microphone, so they're going to be sponsoring today's show. Yep. We'd like to thank Blue Ice for their help with their... Uh, we had to pay full price. <laughs> yeah, they're going to send us a rebate check Yeah, <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> so the reason we got this microphone was because we've talked about doing this podcast for quite a while. It's kind of evolved a little bit, it started out as something else, and we've thought about different versions of it. We finally sat down, recorded an episode that we talked about. Probably won't release it, but uh, perhaps in the future we will. Yeah, like maybe. a demo set. It, it was actually not bad. It wasn't terrible it was for of, a first time. It was yeah. kind of fun. Got our feet wet. The very next day, we're at a company meeting, company wide, and they say, "Surprise! We're not doing a meeting. We're doing a ping pong tournament. Doubles, random pairs. They've already been decided. Here they are. Let's start the tournament right now." And guess who's paired together for the same team? Steve and Phil. We took the entire company. Your boys. <laughs> Your boys. You know what's kind of funny? And I, I think that, like, so, so you didn't know the rule that with doubles you had to serve to the opposite side? No, I, I never played ping pong at all. I, I haven't played yeah, those Well, that's, that's what was amazing is that we won, and Steven really hadn't played much ping pong at all. No, Phil's one of the top five in the company, but most the other four top five were paired with people who couldn't hold their own. They and, really, yeah. The, uh, they, all I they had really to do sucked. was just tap the ball. Just get the ball over. And no, no, no spin, no specialties. No, no speed. It was just getting the ball back. So because... the key was just having one good player and one player that didn't have two left hands. That had, yeah, that had some level of hand-eye coordination that could put the paddle where the ball is. And that's me. And that was you. And while well, Phil's just slam a jamma <laughs> spike at home against someone else who hasn't played like me. But but what's funny is, I think that there were a couple serves where you served it to the to the to the same side to the parallel side. Yeah. And and I didn't say anything. I wasn't gonna give up my <laughs> chance of, of winning a hundred bucks. And then finally they, they did call us out on it, but we still were point, out. We I think we gave up two points the whole tournament. <laughs> Seriously, it was. <laughs> we awesome. also had a first round buy randomly. Two teams did. So anyway, we won a hundred bucks. It may have. I think it was meant to be. And we bought a microphone and for this specific purpose. Yeah, I think the universe was saying, "Hey guys, good job doing your first your first episode. Buy yourselves a microphone." I Here's a so. free hundred dollars because we did almost nothing for it. <laughs> it was a very easy. Yeah, we walked so nice. our way to victory, <laughs> and so we so we dropped enough money, not tons of money on this microphone, but it's nice. We'll 
We'll perhaps include pictures. I, I took a, the first podcast picture. And I sent it to my wife, so we'll include that on the website once, oh, that, that, yeah. once that gets up. That should be the, the big background photo, the wallpaper. Yeah. That was called? Yeah, the wall, <laughs> <laughs> desktop. Um, web design. Whatever. Not my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> also, I wanted to say to all of our listeners out there, the other big addition to the Bad Boys Club was my son was born, little mini bad boy. That's right. That's what I'm calling him. <laughs> the bad boy. The little mini bad boy, Nash. Le Chaminade was born, so we're excited to have we him. We are excited. In the world. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll feature him in a few years. I assume I'm going to be getting him on these types of academic nonfiction books. Absolutely. Well before. <laughs> before kindergarten. Kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, probably around three or four. Well. So we'll, we'll feature him in an episode in a few years. Yep. Yep, we're happy to have him on board. Yep. So the Bad Boys Club is growing already. <laughs> Today's episode is The Willpower Instinct by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. That's right. I think you may have seen Kelly McGonigal from a TED Talk that she gave. It wasn't a pretty popular one. Yeah, hers was one of the top ones. What, what was it? What was that one about? Stress. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah like, I haven't watched it in probably I think, a year I so. think it was like using That's stress to your advantage and not always categorizing stress as a bad thing but right increasing those different responses and elevating your heart rate is actually a survival technique in order to help us perform better right and so sometimes we can actually mimic uh stress when we want to enhance performance yeah and then she also talks about different methodologies of coping with stress that uh such as a big one is so doesn't doesn't she talk a lot about about ox not oxycontin, what's oxytocin? oxytocin. <laughs> about how oxytocin, the, the hugging chemical or whatever, the, the social chemical in your brain that doesn't strike a lot about that, that when you're stressed, a lot of people like to isolate themselves and bury down. And, and sometimes, depending on the source of stress, reaching out to others isn't always as easy. Yeah. But there are plenty of times where, you know, I have a roommate, I had a roommate back in college who was a total workaholic, still is, and he's a very dedicated illustrator. And when he is dedicated to a project he stops at nothing and he works really really hard and he'll scrap it and tear it apart and start over the problem is that he gets really stressed and only focuses on that Mm -hmm. and i tell him like dude i know you don't want to take a break come eat dinner with me let's go get a (laughs) burger and you need some social interaction and one of her landmark uh or in this landmark speech one of her main points is that uh reaching out to others and uh Increasing our social environment in times of stress is actually what we need, rather than bury you know bury your head, keep your head down low, and focus, and, and keep your eye on the prize, and work hard, and, and get there. That's actually counterproductive to be the most efficient way of, of achieving your goal when when it's a high yeah. stress situation. The other the other video that Kelly so there's another video that Kelly McGonigal has on YouTube, which is far less watched. I think it's just a random video, like it's a random interview of her in a Stanford office. Okay. Um, she's a she's a researcher at Stanford, and this was I, th- I think it was about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago that I was listening to this, but it was during a time where I was so stressed out, and there was I don't know different different issues going on, and I was getting on to this like meditation kick, and so I start, started listening to all of these different videos about meditation and how to do meditation and scientific benefits of meditation, and Kelly McGonigal had an interview where she was talking about meditation mm-hmm. and she had this line in there that I still remember to this day where she talked about 
there are some, like the large majority of scientific studies show that meditation is beneficial to you. Um, but she's like, too many people are focusing on what the scientific studies say and trusting everything that other researchers have done. She was like, you should just be your own scientist and trust your own data. Try it. If it works for you, then trust your own data. Who cares what somebody else says? Mm -hmm. You have your own data set, your data set of you, and you can just trust that. Yeah. And, and that was perfect for meditation, but I think that just applies in all areas of life where rather than focusing and relying on what somebody else has told you, but why not just be self-reliant and figure out, trust your own data. Say, this is my experience. This is my personal interpretation of it. And I'm going to trust my own data. Sure. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. I thought, I thought it was spot on. Yeah. So Kelly McGonigal, she's the woman. She's yeah. great. She also has a twin sister whose name is escaping me right now. But she wrote a book that I read recently called Reality is Broken. Yeah, about, you told me about it's that. It's all about gaming. So won't dive into that too much. But Twin Sisters, very talented, very intelligent, and have produced a couple of very high-quality books. So Also, and this is just a lame Harry Potter reference, but I love how they're both Professor McGonagall's. Absolutely. It's great. Like I'm, they, they have to have that joke all the time. But It's such low-hanging fruit. Which <laughs> it's such low-hanging fruit. That's it's, so it's something I would never, ever say to them. And, you know, if, if I had the chance to meet Kelly McGonagall, I would never make a, Kelly, uh, a Professor McGonagall joke. But, wow, would I think about it the whole time. Oh, I, you know? How could you not? <laughs> my, so, so my wife is a twin. And she's an identical twin, and they've worked together. They're very, you know, they did all their classes together. They're just as stereotypical as you can get. And let me tell you, people really think they're clever with things that they've heard a million times in their lives. <laughs> it's 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 insane. And and I, a number of years ago, I remember making a distinct. Uh, I had some type of blunder where I did that. I don't know if it was <laughs> twins or whoever I interact with. I, I said some joke. And it was incredibly predictable to the person. And I made a note and say, Stephen, if this is an easy, obvious joke, even if you think it's funny, don't say it to the person. And I think that's why I am the person who I am today. (laughs) It it has been really helpful in just not having those sad social interactions that are just so disappointing. (laughs) Oh, 100. So I'm a little over six foot five. And... Some lame joke about basketball or how the weather is up where I am is so lame. Right. It, like, it's one of the lamest jokes. But someone's like, wow, you're tall. Oh, man, you getting nosebleeds <laughs> at that elevation? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I do want to tell you one twin story that I had from college. Let's hear it. So I'm walking down. This is – so we both went to, to BYU. And so I'm walking down um, – kind of over by the Wilkins Center, by the center of BYU, and I'm okay. with my roommate, and there are these two cute blonde twins that were walking, they were probably like 30 feet away from us. And so I'm, I'm with my roommate, Spencer, and we both kind of turn to each other at the same time. We're like, dude, check it out. There's twins, man. Are they are they twins? Like, are we seeing this right? It's like that episode of The Office. Yeah. When, uh, <laughs> when Dwight. Michael Scott's, like, hitting it off really well with his model at a bar who's, like, way out of his league. <laughs> and Dwight's like, you got to leave this one. I found twins. <laughs> it was one of those moments. Yes. And so we're, like, so we're both kind of, like, discussing it. I don't know. It's, it's just, like, 
you don't see identical twins every single day. Yeah, it's you're kind excited. Of, it's kind of fun, you know. They're cute, identical blonde twins. And as we're passing them, they obviously had heard our conversation because they like just make the same joke to each other so that we can hear them. And they're like, oh my gosh, are those two twins? Like, look at that. That is crazy. <laughs> and so you weren't even saying this to them. We were saying we were saying this to each but other. But they read your reactions. They read our reactions. <laughs> and so then, so as right as we're walking past them, they make the same joke to each other. And about, Spencer's brunette and you're blonde. Where it couldn't be more different. You're both tall. We're, we're both tall. Yeah. He's a little better looking than I am, I'm going to be honest. Uh, so here's... Little background story. Phil and I did know each other freshman year of college, and then randomly, right out of college, we worked at a company together. And then we both independently, at different times, moved from that company and landed here where we work together now. So we've kind of had interactions. Yeah, we, our paths have crossed multiple times. Yeah, and now we're homies. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember all the girls called Spencer Abercrombie. That's right. In reference to him being at an Abercrombie model. That's right. So he is a good looking guy. He's a good looking dude. Spencer, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. Man. You're a bad boy. <laughs> you're also a bad boy. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, let's let's dive into the well, book. Well, hold on. Yeah. I got another twin story. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's <laughs> let's get into it. So, I am good friends with these two twins. They're from Japan, and they've been living in America for a few years. Uh, Yoshi and Kazuki, and they're just super awesome guys. And at some point, it came up that my fiance at the time, Harper, was a tw- was a twin. Yeah. And like we've said, what happens when twin hears these jo- you know the, all the, yeah. the common questions? They're sick of it. These guys lost their minds. They looked at me like, "Are you serious?" Like, yeah. <laughs> and they started asking all the most stereotypical questions you could ever want. Like, so, do they have the same thoughts? Do they do they like the same things? I was like, "What?" Aren't you? Is this a joke? Like I thought maybe they were doing like what your yep. those blonde twins did. Yeah, exactly. But they were completely sincere. And I was just like, yeah. I mean, why are you asking all these questions? Like, so when, does one feel pain when the other one does, and things like that? I was like, were they just trying to like bounce their own experiences off of somebody else that they it, could relate to? Yes, and some people who they can relate to as well as who are so different as far as being American and women. Yeah, so, that's true. It made a little more sense to me because I was like, what are you talking about? You, who cares about – isn't this the type of stuff you yeah, hate? Yeah. But they were so sincere, and I think it was because they wanted to know, like, well, how about American female twins compared yeah, to are, Japanese yeah. male are twins? The, are the experiences – are there going to be shared experiences right. from some – from girls growing up in San Diego versus two dudes growing up in Tokyo or wherever? They're like eight hours north of Tokyo, wherever yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was pretty interesting So I was like – I thought they were just busting my busting my chain for a second, uh, but uh, anyway, they were sincere. That's and funny. It was a good time. So, Willpower Instinct. This is one of my all-time Hall of Fame books, all-time favorites. I've only read this one twice. Some of these, which I anticipate reading it several more times throughout the rest of my life. It's it's fantastic. So, oh yeah, there's there's and like anytime you want to set a goal and you want to like follow through with it this is like perfect resource to have yeah absolutely yeah great resource material so overall the first thing that should be noted about willpower is that we suck at it as humans (laughs) and the problem is that's not acknowledged enough and so people are just 
living in ignorance, trying so hard to use willpower to accomplish so many things, and they're bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. The reality is, is that, yeah. and I came across, I don't think this was, it was in this book, but I came across something recently that it was a distinction between uh, very wealthy people and criminals, mm-hmm. and what we would call you know, very successful, productive members of society, and their different tests to measure willpower was fairly similar between the two. And so we often think of, of you know, in order to accomplish wealth or in order to do not, not do something bad, not commit a crime, both of those will be willpowers. You know, yeah. I will willpower, I uh-huh. won't willpower, a great distinction Kelly makes. But in fact, that has like nothing to do with, uh, with their circumstances uh, and, and, and where they've ended up in life. Is, is having like, like one doesn't have more willpower than the other. Yeah. So, and, so what is the distinction? Like, what's the ultimate distinction? I mean, there's there's so much that goes into that. But but one thing they narrowed down to was that it was habits, which you could argue that you have to have willpower in order to to have to create a habit. And so there's something there. But the reality is, is that habits are a lot easier to stay committed to than anything that you think of more willpower challenge. You know, so like I'm, I will eat a salad every day or I won't eat a cookie every day. That's kind mm-hmm. of like the way you think of it as willpower versus something that's like you brush your teeth is much more habitual, right? Yeah. So uh, building and organizing your life and, and creating your life in a way where you have much more, many more habits is a great way to accomplish success in the long term, especially for diligence types goals where, you know, you got to build a brick at a time to build your tower and... Yep, uh, that's the the real way to to get there. So that was a <clears throat> a great point, and 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 uh, so she focuses on and I will willpower and I won't willpower, and we are better at I will willpower, mm-hmm. but again, not great at either one. But just the distinction between those two, personally, uh, over the last, so I had I used to be. Uh, a lot more into exercising and a power lifter and, and played sports. And then I've had a lot of shoulder complications and had my shoulder fully replaced last year. And during that time of less exercise, naturally my body's going to like, I got, you know, I got out of shape. I got married. I got out of shape. That's what it boils down to. I, <laughs> I have my story, my excuses. I followed this stereotype. <laughs> and, um, there for, uh, Luckily, I, I was already familiar with this book, and so I started off naturally by thinking, like, okay, I got I to gotta change my diet up, and I started thinking of all these I won't uh, diet options, and I was like, whoa, 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 these are just fad diets or ideas. These aren't going to work. I wanted lifestyle changes. So instead, I started doing um, only fruit for – I heard about this idea of only fruit before noon, and that was too much for me, so I just did fruit for breakfast instead, and I did that for a month. So only fruit, so you would – just eat an apple and an orange or something. Yep. I just had fruit for breakfast. And, yeah. and I'd have a snack maybe at around 11 a.m. of something else. But And then sometimes I'd have, I'd have carrots mixed in there as well. But that, yeah. that counts. <laughs> and no one's going to get on you for eating carrots. I don't think so. Before noon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, in that one month, I had – my energy levels were way higher. My joints felt better. Yeah. And – uh, I, I needed less sleep. It was crazy how much of a difference this made. And so I, I've kept with that of, of uh, you know, eating fruit, and it became a, it, it did quickly become a habit where I'd go to the fridge at work and I'd just go and grab some grapes. Yeah. It, it just is what I w- – I didn't go to the, the snack cupboard. I went to the fruit area. You're talking about Qualtrics where there's actually an awesome – 
snack cupboard where they have oatmeal and cereal and yep. everything every yep. single day. Exactly. That's a tough willpower challenge, man. It would be a willpower. It would be. And luckily, it really just became a habit yeah. of just walking straight to the fruit bowl instead. Yeah. Yeah, you just knew there. There wasn't necessarily the conflict in your head, right? I didn't. Just, ha- I didn't have is, to. This is what I do, right? And and we'll get in. So one idea is that willpower is rather than think about it as a unlimited resource, in that it's more like a muscle. Yeah. And it fatigues throughout the day and needs to rest. Yeah. And so I didn't need to exercise my willpower that early in the morning for something like this, yep. so, which left room for later in life or later in the day to use my willpower. That my daily allotment of willpower. This isn't in the book, but. This that what you just said reminded me of that. Barack Obama realized that he only had enough, a, a certain, a finite amount of decision making power in his brain, and so he like never varies from his outfits. He knows exactly what he's gonna wear the next day, and it's very simple. Like he's, uh. and, and and so Steve Jobs was the same way, where he just wore the blue jeans and black turtleneck because he didn't want to use his finite amount of decision making power. To, desert, to determine what to wear. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. It's just, this is what I do every single day, and there's zero decision that goes into it. Right. It's just like I didn't decide what toothpaste to use. I used the only toothpaste in my cupboard. Yep. So I go to my closet, and I grab the only color available. <laughs> yeah. All you have are white shirts. That's all you're going to wear. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. So kind of going back to the, the beginning of the book, something that I found that was really interesting in terms of the science of willpower was she talked about the different levels of the brain. So how the brain developed is it started with what's called the reptilian brain, mm-hmm. where that's like the very, uh, all reptiles have this reptilian brain. It's what controls motor function. It's what controls breathing. It's what controls uh, hunger. Okay. But on top of that, and this is what separates humans from the rest of the animals, is the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And so that's your ability to, within the prefrontal cortex, is you can imagine, you can plan out certain events, and you can have willpower. What about being self-aware? Is that uh, Oh, self, self-awareness, self I think, is also... aren't dolphins sentient? Right? I th- yeah, I think... Do they, they have they, a... Do they have a don't they do, like, those, like, those like tests or? where they, like, put mirrors in front of the in front of the animals and if they can recognize themselves and recognize that it's a reflection of themselves they get to a certain level of sentience i'm not sure my dog seems to recognize himself so actually this is this is really interesting just recently within the past week i read this article about dogs and they didn't think that dogs were self-aware because they had done the mirror test on multiple dogs yeah lots of dogs will bark at the mirror and dogs will bark at the mirror but they realize that it's actually just a lack of um like a lack of vision for dogs, and so they did like this, like this smelling self-awareness test that they developed, and I can't remember all the details. Okay. But they determined within, like, like within the past couple of weeks, that dogs have a level of self-awareness. Interesting. So it was a hardware issue, not a software issue. Exactly. Huh. That's neat. Yeah. Anyway, go on to the back to the. the so so back brain. to so back to the prefrontal cortex. If that gets impaired, so there's a classic story of neuroscience of this guy named named Phineas Gage where he gets a rod shoved like it something explodes and a rod yeah, gets shoved through his brain. Yeah, right? he's a railroad worker, right? Yeah, he's a, a blue-collar railroad worker back in like the late 1800s. And I think this is kind of the foundation of neuroscience study. Yeah, you, you guys, we, you, I'm sure you've all heard this this idea in your 
your psych psych 101 classes yeah exactly and so he uh but it ends up just going through a very specific part of his brain just the prefrontal cortex so he could still function just fine like he could walk around he could still eat. that day like right? that day yeah it was weird like he got out of the hospital and he was just like they, yeah, <laughs> the witch <What>? doctor. <laughs> yes, the local shaman that they had to like, to get to spread some salt on him and tell him not to. They they threw a to... leech on his head, and <laughs> then he started walking around, and they said, "That's great, you're you're set." But he had zero impulse control. Yeah, so after he that. he like started cursing like a blue collar worker when he was a gentleman before. Yeah, his his uh, he would he would get angry really quickly. He would just fall victim to start. I think he maybe even got into like gambling and just spending money immediately as soon as he got it he would spend it his personality changed on a fundamental level and his entire family noticed it like very quickly right but like on a regular like conversation like he would remember what you talked about yeah we we could we could talk with him you could be sitting down at dinner and it would feel normal in an isolated incident but over the course of the entire day you he would certain areas mm -hmm. certain triggers would happen gotcha yeah and so and so he lost all all impulse control, but the thing. Do you remember, dude? I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of blanking on this, but there's a part in the book where where it talks about how you have these two conflicting areas of the brain, and if one part fails, then it doesn't necessarily. So like his prefrontal cortex failed, and so he lost willpower. So she has this example of some people think that if the other region of the brain failed, you would just have full, complete willpower and complete self-control. But she actually ends up telling a story of you need that other part, number one, just for survival, and number two, for like fear and for disgust and for anger. Oh, and, and right, so like right, right. Okay, it, yeah, there's, the, there's like the instinctual part. Yep. Versus, yeah, right. And, and so there's a so story. The, so the, I mean, so the classic battle of every day you think this your body says that donut looks delicious but then your your athlete mind says conscious mind says no i don't need that today i've got a to race tomorrow exactly and so, yeah right, right. So, so, so we're familiar have, with so that conflict these, so the, the natural two, instinctive desires these two conflicting but like right. you have to recognize that the instinctive desires are extremely valuable and extremely necessary right because there's a story of this of this woman who lost a certain area of the brain for these instinctive desires and she started making like sexual advances on her family members because she had lost that fear of disgust right right, right which right. was an instinctual desire so it's not like if you <laughs> lose right. one part of the of the brain you immediately have this incredible self-control no it's just you you need you both of them are a yin and a yang and you need to learn how to put them both into balance for you to be most healthy. Right, 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 right. That's right. Interesting story. A um, couple other things that I wanted to that I wanted to talk about. So we actually don't have a ton of time left, but well, maybe we'll have to pause this recording and do a part two. We could do. We could definitely do because a part two. we've only scratched the surface. Seriously, we're just in chapter one. We only one. have a couple minutes left. Um, I would hate, and this book is so phenomenal. Yeah, this. this maybe we'll be. even post it as two parts. Yeah, we could do a we could do a part one, part yeah, two. Yeah, we don't want to we don't want you to sit down for an entire hour with us today. 
Yeah, let's do then. This is just an easy way to get more episodes. That's right. We'll always do parts. We'll make it. We'll make our book clubs like the Hobbit movies, exactly. where it's just a little tiny book, and we'll just extend it into nine hours of movie. Sounds great. That's <laughs> a plan. They made tons of money from the oh, Hobbit yeah. movies. <laughs> it's a formula for success. All filler, little killer once in a while. Um, do you want to get into dopamine? Sure. Yeah, and then and then we'll call and it a wrap. I think we can call it a wrap after dopamine. So dopamine is the pleasure-seeking hormone, right? And so when we have a trigger, it will release, and it will cause desire and anxiety. And so we can think of dopamine. You know, lots of different triggers happening. So seeing a pretty woman, or you know, bells and whistles at a casino. You know, something where we something that creates anticipation mm-hmm. for a potential reward. And so often, the, the issue with, with dopamine is, is that you know, it, it creates an anticipation, which, which, which is good, because again, we don't want to demonize dopamine. It, obviously, it's, it's a useful resource. It's 100% necessary. Yeah, it creates desire for action. It's like, hey, 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 pay attention. This, this positive thing could happen right now. Alert. Yeah. You know, here's a little anxiety, and here's a little desire, and Go fulfill this desire. You're on. You're you're in. You're in the Serengeti. This is the this is the example that she always uses. You're in the Serengeti, and you haven't eaten, and you see this plump, ripe fruit, and the and dopamine kicks in and says, if you go, if you go and do the work and climb up that tree to get that plump, ripe fruit, you're gonna receive this. But you wouldn't have to climb the tree because you are so tall. Have I ever told you that? <laughs> exactly. Six foot five. <laughs> you could just reach that plump I could just fruit. Reach, I could reach that plump fruit, but I still have to do that work and reach that plump fruit. And dopamine is telling me to do the work because I've, it's, it's anticipation of reward. If I go and get that fruit, I'm going to be rewarded. Right. It's going to taste good, and it's going to put glucose in my body and allow me to keep surviving. Right. Uh, but an interesting issue is, is in today's world, we get dopamine hap- you know, happening all the time. And, and, you know, the evil, corrupt corporate America, just kidding, I'm a capitalist, <laughs> is, you know, the, the marketers are very good at, at causing dopamine. Oh, they're the best at causing dopamine. They, they make, that's what their job is, essentially. Yeah. And oftentimes we will do, perform an action that might fulfill the the pleasure and the desire yeah. but not actually fulfill the anxiety yeah and so those are the types of behaviors that we start to consider addictive and not really even not even really satiate like like the the reward is never as good as the anticipation would make you believe right do and you so ever, do you ever feel that way oh yeah 100 percent. any any vice falls into this category and so you yeah. you get excited and you think oh man i'm feeling this this urge i'm feeling my itch and I'm going to go for it, and then it feels good, but also kind of fake and not as good as you were hoping it was going to feel. And now you just kind of want to do it again, hoping that maybe the next time it'll work better. Yeah, because right after you do it, you you get that dopamine again, where you're like, well, I could. You start anticipating it a second time. Right. And you anticipate and anticipate it, thinking that it's going to be better the second time, and then it's exactly the same, if not worse. It just goes down that cycle, and you can just do it again and again and again and again. Right, 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 right. So I, I, I love music, and particularly lyricism is one of my favorite parts of music. And so it's hard for me to get into a song if I don't also enjoy the lyrics. Either they make me think, or they are fun, or I agree with them, whatever the different you know, 
reason why I like them. Uh-huh. Uh, so a lot of my random reference material is going to be random lyrics that have either I've enjoyed in life or they've helped define me or helped me like, clarify ideas. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, artists are so talented at just taking a few words and just representing this whole concept. Yeah. Great song called Product of a Murderer. Uh-huh. And it's all about drug addiction, I, I presume. It could yeah. be, I mean, it could be any vice, really. But And there's just such a s- succinct line in there when it says, it feels good, but it all feels so fake. Yeah. And that is like the epitome of vice and why we have these self-destructive behaviors is because it does feel good, and you know it feels good. But also in the back of your mind, it feels fake. And you know it's not as good as the real thing. Right? You know yeah. that there are other more wholesome behaviors that can create similar vibes that are much more uh, fulfilling. Yes. So, like, for, you know, for example, maybe, maybe something with a, a simple one is, is, like, bullying. Right? So people will put others down in order to make themselves feel up. Right? It's, mm-hmm. it's self-esteem based. It's like, I don't feel good about myself. Well, if I push someone else down, that makes me feel better. And it kind of works. If it didn't work, people wouldn't keep doing it. It kind of works. Yeah. But it doesn't hold a candle to when someone gives you a sincere compliment about who you are as a person. 100%, and they mean it. 100%. And they accept you for who you are. <laughs> and, and maybe even more so when you, know, you can think of the extreme example of, you are being in a vulnerable position and you expose yourself and you say, this is a reason why I am ashamed of, of myself or this is something I do that I'm ashamed of. And someone looks at you with loving eyes and says, that's okay, man. Yeah. I was, nothing changes about my opinion of you. Like that is real satisfaction. And that's like the wholest of holes in order to feel great about yourself. 100%. Is true acceptance and not just a fake acceptance, but acceptance when you're feeling vulnerable and when you're exposing your 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 weakness. Mm-hmm. That is what feels good. Exactly. And and that's going to release this the actual feel good chemicals of serotonin rather than just these anticipatory chemicals that something is going to feel good in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Babbles Club Willpower Instinct Part 1. All right. Thanks everyone. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.